Welcome back to The Real Pilot Answers Your Questions Series 2 here on the Phobic Flyer Channel with my good friend Peter Cox and Andy Clark. Thank you. I started learning to fly in 2013 and it took me seven and a half years to get my PPR license due to a debilitating fear of flying. I created this channel to show some of my training and what's next for my flying hobby and to prove that it is possible to overcome a phobia. Welcome to the Phobic Flyer YouTube channel. Can only the captain fly the plane? What does the co-pilot do? And how many pilots are there on board in any case? By default on an airliner, there will be a minimum of two pilots. If you're going long haul, there will be more. And this will allow the pilots to take a rest in flight and extend what's referred to as their flight time limitations or flight duty hours. So if you've ever been on an aircraft that's delayed, you'll see the crew get very excited when they start getting close to their limits okay. because there are hard and fast rules of how many hours we can fly. Oh, right. And once we exceed those, we have to be grounded and have minimum rest and then start the whole process again. So by having more pilots on board, you can extend those. That's how you do long-haul flights. Okay. Um, so it depends entirely on what kind of flying it is as to how many pilots there are. Um, there will always be one that is defined as the overarching captain, even if you have a complete replacement crew for a, a very long-haul flight. So one person has to sign out the aircraft, and it's their responsibility. They are in charge of the flight for the entire duration, even if they're asleep in a bunk somewhere. If something really dramatic happens, they would be summoned back because it's their responsibility. Yeah. Um, the job of a captain is not to be the uh, you know the god of flying. <laughs> god of flying. That's not what what and we're going to do. Nice, isn't it's, it? it's nice, obviously, but no, it's certainly not. I mean, generally, the the, the adage in the airline industry is if if things are going wrong, hand the aircraft to the uh, first officer because they're better at flying than the captain. <laughs> yeah. um, that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> not when I was a first officer. No. Um, so no, it's the captain doesn't just fly the aircraft and, and the first officer's there just to you know raise and lower the gear. <laughs> Make the tea. Exactly. Any of them can fly the aircraft. We're all trained to fly the aircraft. And if I was to suffer an incapacitation, I would expect the FO to do a graceful landing and get me to medical services as quickly and as safely as possible. So no, the captain isn't the only one that flies the aircraft. What we actually have is, is roles that are defined per flight. So although I'm the captain, I might be pilot flying or I might be pilot oh, monitoring. Yes, I've heard that. So that's the difference. So pilot flying is the one who's actually controlling the aircraft, yeah. be it manually or through the automation. And the pilot monitoring's job is to monitor the pilot flying. Yeah. And they'll also do all of the radio communication work. And they'll do all of the paperwork. Paperwork that has to be done every single flight. And that will have the entire flight of all the waypoints we're going over and how much fuel we're expecting at each of those waypoints. And we will calculate the time from the time we took off that we will go through each of those waypoints. And then every hour we will do a fuel check comparing what fuel remains on board to what fuel we've burnt to what the paperwork says. And that's how we know whether we still have extra in the tanks okay. or we've got a problem. Maybe yeah. maybe the winds aren't as forecast and we're flying slower. And I can see that it's taking me longer to get to certain waypoints and therefore I'm burning more fuel. So I, I've got an early onset idea that we might have a problem when we land somewhere or trying to make it land. Am I going to have enough fuel? Do I need to divert early because I've got a problem? If I have a fuel leak, that's how it will be picked up. Yeah. So the pilot monitoring's job is very important. They are managing the flight, but not physically flying the aircraft. Yeah. And then each of us will have our own defined roles 
as a captain, I will be doing paperwork in the tech log. And for the airline I work for, the first officer will do what's referred to as the journey log, which is filling in a lot of the paperwork for how much fuel did we uplift and providing all this back to the company so they can cross-check against receipts and basically understand what's happening. Yeah. You mentioned there about the winds may not be strong or maybe strong or different. Do you know at the height you're at, or the altitude you're at, do you know what the wind is and the direction of that wind? The heading yes, of it? you do. I do. And is that real from the aircraft or is it from the ground that they're telling you? Um, it's in the paperwork. It's what the Met Office calculated it would oh, be. OK. And they are phenomenally accurate. Yeah. I'm always amazed at how you can be within three or four degrees and within a couple of knots. Mad, isn't it? At every altitude you could imagine. Yeah. And so they are very, very clever at doing that. Um the aircraft will also tell me what the instant wind is. So it will use the inertial navigation system to calculate what the wind is and tell me so I can see immediately and I can cross-check that against the waypoint as I go past it. But the biggest one is the fuel. OK. Thanks, Peter. How realistic are the simulators now? This is interesting to me, of course, uh, The pilots use. And can they really teach you to fly safely? Yes. Yes, there's no more to say. No, and they are incredibly realistic. Yeah. If you are someone who's played an awful lot of AAA computer games and specifically like latest flight simulators available, you would be very disheartened if you saw the graphics. They are not to the same standard. No, they're not, are they? But they don't need to be. That's not what we're interested in. Yeah. Um, what actually is more important is the cockpit itself. Every switch is in the right position and it feels the same and it acts the same. And the logic behind it of when I do something to one of those switches, the simulator picks up and understands it. So we are able to train ourselves to do very complex failures that you wouldn't want to do in reality. We Mm. don't want to be setting fire to an engine every time we take off. But every time I go in the sim, it seems to happen. And that allows you to gain confidence in the real aircraft because you fly the sim. Yes, looking out the window, you know you're in a simulator. But then when you get in the aircraft, it feels the same. Yeah. The picture. It's all in the same place. You reach into the same knob. Everything is the same. It feels, it has that tactile feel. Yeah. Um, There are two kinds of simulators we'll use. We'll use fixed-based simulators. Yeah. Generally, these are more for procedural training. So how do I configure something up? We do what's referred to as flows. In your aircraft, you'll use a checklist. Yeah. And you'll go through each item on the checklist. Yeah. Airliners don't do that. We do what's referred to as flows and checks. So there'll be a trigger, we'll do something, say, taxiing off the runway, I will stow the speed brake and I will make sure the thrust reversers are closed. That is the first officer's job. Trigger to now go and do the after landing check. flow. Oh, oh, flow, sorry. Flow, oh. and then they will do the after landing checks, which is to check that they have moved everything accordingly. So we'll pull off the runway, we'll get our taxi instructions, I'll confirm I'm happy with the taxi instructions, they then are going to go and do their flows and checks. It's an awful lot of buttons and switches that are moved. They do all of that, and then they come back and read the checklist. And they'll read it, look at the item, and confirm that they've done it. Right. And the checklist is there to pick up any emissions from a flow, rather than the checklist being used as the way of doing each item, which is different from general aviation. Ah, yes. Yeah, it is. I always remember. Um, I always remember. I was taught. I think you taught me, but other other instructors have said when you clear the runway. not the threshold, the, um, I've forgotten it, the, the, um, the once, ex- once you're on the taxiway, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> once you're on the taxiway, um, you do your after landing checks. Yeah, and but, stop. Yeah, but I always get told to, uh, Gloucester, they always tell me to carry on, so I end up doing them as I'm 
moving. Is that is that bad? It's not bad, but it's also not the best way. You're a single pilot. Yeah. So should <clears throat> you be doing something whilst you're doing something else critical, like taxiing? Yeah. I mean, it's all right if you came off at Charlie One and you've got a long taxi round until well, you absolutely. Get, I until was you thinking to Charlie another, One until yeah. you get to another runway. Yeah. But now, for imagine, say you landed at a major international airport, Bristol. You land at Bristol. You land at Bristol and stop. They're going to really get confused. Well, they did. They got very irate, actually. They will, because they don't <laughs> expect an aircraft to stop. Once no. it's moving, they expect it to continue to where it goes. Yeah. But as a single pilot, you could easily make a mistake at a major airport, take yeah, the wrong yeah, turning, yeah, yeah. and suddenly find you're back on an active runway because you were too busy paying attention to something yeah. in a post-landing check, especially if it was broken. You do something. You say you, moved, you went to clear the flaps up. And the flap spring failed, and suddenly you get this loud twang, and the flaps fall into the wrong position. You now panic that my yeah, flaps are broken. And then you're on the grass. <laughs> and all, yeah, you've now made a mistake whilst taxiing. What yeah. was more important? Was it important to do the taxi and know where uh, you are, or where you're doing the checks? Yeah. yeah. Airliner, there's two of you. Yeah. So true. one can do it whilst the other is busy taxiing the aircraft. Yeah, fair enough. But that's a procedural trainer. The other option is full motion, and this is where they really start to make you feel immersed. Because it can induce the feeling of flight in you because of G-force. You're only six foot off the ground being bounced around on hydraulics. But it can push you into the back of your seat by tipping the, the whole simulator up. And it does build the immersion quite considerably. And certainly the stress levels when things go wrong. Even though you know you're only six foot off the ground bouncing on hydraulics, you also have the un, sort of added pressure that there's someone behind you assessing you. And if they find any problems, you are now grounded. So every six months, God, we that are... must be stressful. I, I don't, well, yeah, I, I don't do I well don't, under stress, I don't under know, exam conditions. I don't know any other job in the world where you are assessed as much as we are as flying. Yeah. Which hopefully goes to make some people feel a little bit more relaxed and confident that yeah. when they're getting on an aircraft, we do know what we're doing. We're tested. So, as I've said in a previous video, it might be the only flight that you do that year and go on holiday and you're really nervous about it. For me, it might be the fourth flight I've done that week. Yeah, of course. It's what my job is, and yeah. I'm tested on it. So we're talking about flight simulators. What do you think of the flight simulators that are available for PCs, X-Plane? Um, I always think X-Plane's more of a flight sim, and MSF 2020 is more of a game, but I don't, know if that's, I don't know if that's fair. Whenever I've ended up playing with them, I have to say, when I was younger, I played a huge amount of the previous versions of flight sim. Um, I would generally end up getting more bored and end up sort of knife-edging jumbos between buildings and all yeah, this kind of stuff, rather than being realistic. <laughs> so, yes, it's got the game capability. Yeah. Um, but if you use it right, it's actually brilliant for training instrument flying. Definitely. Because Definitely. it's, a lot, yeah. it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper. A lot cheaper. No you coach can, fees. <laughs> no, exactly. And you can practice over and over again in, yeah. in your own comfort. Yes, you don't have someone who's necessarily qualified to sort of debrief you accurately, but you know whether you've done it right or wrong. Yeah. Um, so for that side of flying, the earlier versions that I used to use were very, very good and yeah. saved me a lot of money. The latest ones, certainly with a lot of the satellite photography mapped onto That's the ground, are very good for practising yeah. navigation at about 3,000 feet because yeah. it looks like it does out the window. It does. When I did my QXC to um, Cardiff, which was interesting, and then to Hape de Green and back to Gloucester, I flew it in the sim first and I flew it in VR. Mm -hmm. And I've got a, myself a new VR Quest 2 headset that's made a massive difference. And flying it in VR, I've, I've, it, and I've actually got the controls as well. So I've got the yoke, I've got the throttle quadrant, I've got the rudder pedals, and I fly it in VR, but I use the real controls. Which helps with the oh, it, it is immersion. so real. Yeah, it's it helps so with the real. Well, we have 
obviously the same in a simulator, except you're not wearing a VR headset, because you'd have to map all the buttons and switches. But with the motion, that's where you suddenly get the the real depth. Now, some airports are very accurate in the simulator, because we have to do low visibility approaches. Of course. We have to practice taxiing in fog. So there are generic airports, and then there are accurate airports. And the accurate airports are accurate to the layout on the ground. Again, the visuals aren't photorealistic, but certainly for Gatwick, which is where we do an awful lot of our low visibility training um, at my airline, the simulator is very, very accurate, down to having the bridge. Have you flown under the bridge? I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> I have another friend who flies for the airline you do, and he did. Yes, yes, I have. I have done it. There are certain switches that have to be pulled to make sure you do it accurately. Yeah. Uh, you can't do it with the gear down. No. And you have to turn off a lot of the alerting systems. But yes. <laughs> pull up. Yes. Pull. Terrain. Terrain. It's normally saying too low gear. Too, too low gear. Too low flap. Yes. Oh, it says that as well. Yeah. Brilliant. So yes, I have done it, but um, I wouldn't, wouldn't admit it. <laughs> no, but yes, no. it's all it is all good fun. Yeah, brilliant. All right, thanks, Peter. Very, very, yeah, uh, very interesting question that, and very dear to my heart, uh, the flight sim one. Thank you. Thanks for watching, and that concludes the Real Pilot Answers Series Two questions. If there's anything we haven't answered, and you'd like to know what the answer to that question is, please feel free to put the comments in the comment section below. Thanks for watching. Mm-hmm.